This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Joe with you, Nick, completing his journey from the East Coast to the West Coast. He'll be back with us next week, but in his stead, a conversation we have been teasing for weeks. We're very excited to nerd out about the changes coming to the World Handicap System this year. Joining us, the returning champ, Director of Handicapping and Course Rating from the Oregon Golf Association, Gretchen Yoder. Gretchen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Joe, for the opportunity. It's trying to get this news out. It's kind of any way we can get the news out is is better. So thank you again. You bet. We are we are happy to uh, sound our horn from the top of the mountain to to let people know because we're so excited and we'll focus primarily on the introduction of par three courses into the world handicapping system. But before that, just sort of a refresher for folks that aren't as dialed in, certainly as as you are. And you know, I'm a bit of a novice myself in this and just trying to figure it all out. But in 2020 a world handicapping system took over kind of the legacy systems between the USGA and the RNA, basically like, look, we need one of these for everybody to use. And since then, basically everyone has gone into their labs and are like, okay, well, these are the three changes that have to be made. And they, I guess, have already started for parts of the world where there is no off season. Um, and they're coming to, to Oregon very, very soon. A posting season starts March 1st, I have a big circle on it in my calendar when I have to get my game <laughs> ready day. for. It's a, it's a big day, exactly. So <laughs> uh, just, just to kind of touch on the other two real quick before we get to the par threes. So this was the most convoluted one, and I'm not sure if there's an easy way to explain the updated approach for holes not played. Is there is there a succinct way to explain this? Right. Uh, well, there's, and it's kind of a question of why the hole isn't played. Okay. So you're playing 18 holes and it's getting dark and you just can't finish. If you're posting, hopefully people are posting hole by hole using the gin app. It's the easiest thing to do, makes all your adjustments for you. Anyway, it's getting too dark. You can't finish out. You get a call from home, whatever. You have to leave the golf course. You just go ahead and you've done your hole by hole already. You hit the, the post button there's some magic behind the curtain that has to happen. Sure. Um, you will get a score recorded for you that has, you know, a score of whatever you shot for the 16 holes you played. And it will have the score with the number 16s in parentheses. And the system will give you an 18 hole differential. So, so that yeah, that's where it gets fun. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not I'm not gonna ask you to totally pull back the curtain, but basically there's yeah. some sort of math and an algorithm that says, okay, well this person played these 16 holes this way. So taking those assumptions into account, we can make a pretty good guess about these last two holes. Or does it take the 16 by themselves and say these 16 are what we're gonna use and we're gonna spit out a differential just using that? Yeah, it's kind of crazy the way it does it. It, it just will spit out a, a differential using the 16 holes. Wow. Um, so it, the system will know that. 
but that's that situation. Um, and then I have another golf course that they're going to have a whole lot of play for a couple of months while it heals up. They've done a bunch of construction in that situation. What you should do is post your most likely score or, or sorry, it's par plus. So whatever your score should be this, this course, it's the Mook out in Tillamook. Um, their, their 15th hole is out of commission for a little while. So what you would post is whatever par would be plus whatever handicap holes you would have received if you were playing. Um, so it's kind of a question of which method you use when. I'm just not finishing the holes because it didn't work out that day or I'm playing through and this one is out of commission or there's some sort of reason why that you can't play that hole. And it sounds like sort of the safest way to go about it is just to utilize the hole by hole through the gin app and it takes a little bit of the guesswork out of it at that point. Absolutely. Um, so again, say you played 16 holes, you finish, you hit, you hit post, the system will kind of say, Hey, did you mean to wait until 18 or did you only play? And then you hit post again and it will take that score. It does give you a warning. So you're not posting incorrectly, thankfully. Um, and I, hopefully the warning label has gotten on there. So it makes sense to the people who are playing it, not, those of us who've been had the words in our brains, um, sometimes we get a little golfy with the words and yeah, it gets fun. <clears throat> I like that. I, I, I tend to get a little golfy sometimes too. Um, so that's, that's basically the first one, right? It's, there's a different approach for holes, not played. The other one is more straightforward. And I think this is a great one that most people are just going to have two thumbs up about. It's the nine hole scores, not waiting to combine with another nine hole score. So the problem always used to exist of, you know, maybe it was towards the end of the season here in Oregon, I play a nine hole score and then it's just kind of hanging out there waiting for another nine hole score to combine it with perhaps in the spring, perhaps a week later, but you're basically taking two things that stood on their own and try to mash them together as a round. That's no longer the case, is it Gretchen? This is true. Um, you're again with that nine hole score and hopefully you're still playing, doing hole by hole but it still will take a nine hole reference. Um, what it will do now is you're still going to have a nine hole score shows in your record, but you will get an 18 hole differential. So that's more, there's some more magic behind the curtain going on. However, um, the, the system will look at your handicap index and the direction of play. Say so you're having a difficult nine. It's not going to just double the nine. It's going to still give you a little bit of extra boost thinking, you know, if you're not playing great on the first nine, your second nine probably might not have been. So it's going to factor a little higher. If you're playing pretty level, it's going to be pretty level. And if you're playing really well, it might kind of angle you down. So it's if you play and post the same nine, with somebody who has the same handicap index and you have different scores, you can see how that differential might change a little bit too. So it, it will be still based on your score for that day and how this handicap index of other people with the same handicap index would be scoring using that information. Interesting. So it's not necessarily of, hey, uh, I'll, I'll use myself. I'm, I'm an 8.2. I played two under on the front oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm only going to play nine holes today. I post it. It will sort of bring me back to the mean. And conversely, if I shot, say, like a 48 on the first nine holes, it'll bring me back down to the mean to sort of level it out. Yeah, it's it's going to angle looking at your ability of play that day. And, and instead of just doubling, it's not going to go, Got it. I was playing two under, then it posts that doubled. 
it's going to make more sense for the level of play that you were doing at that time. Understood. And it'll take other factors into account. Like you said, other golfers, it won't just be my skill level. There'll be other things on that specific day, perhaps using the players. I think it's called the player's course calculation or some some sort of metric like that. Oh, the PCC adjustment. That's something for afterwards. We don't even, <laughs> that, oh, that's something to Yes. Like, yeah. I, I, I have strongly worded letters about the player's course <laughs> correction for some folks where I thought it was going to help me. I thought it wasn't, but that's that's for another day, clearly. Yeah. But we do want to focus uh, on aggression. Oh, no, please. Do you have something on the PCC? Oh, no, that's okay. It's, it's, again, it's another mathematical thing that happens at the end of the day after it takes everybody's score. No person was involved. It's another thing that that man behind the curtains pulling some strings. Um, they, they uh, USGA, RNA, World Handicap System all think it should be done a little bit more often. So you may see it. They think about, a, about 8% of scores should be or dates, I should say, 8% of dates that are played should have that adjustment. So it's a playing conditions calculation. But again, the system doesn't know if it was raining sideways that day or turned to wind, or if the superintendent, you know, was twirling his mustache and, (laughs) you know, put all the flags back and the T's in the worst spots. The system just looks at all the scores posted that day on that course and goes, you know, they were all a little bit too high, but we don't think we don't want everybody's handicap index to be influenced by the course conditions, again, weather or placement. Um, and, and there's no person involved in that. It's all done by the calculations in the system. So it's I just, just want to yeah. hop that out. Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I assumed Gretchen, it was someone twirling their mustache and just didn't 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 want me to be a sub five again. Just saying, no, Joe, sorry. I know you gutted out this eighty in tough conditions, but Bob here in the back isn't going to allow it. It is purely numbers based. All numbers based. There has to be it, the scores that count towards that calculation. It's very important that you post the day of play. So you play Tuesday, you post Tuesday because those scores that are posted that day. Are, in, are calculated into the PCC adjustment. However, if you post the next day, your score won't influence the calculation, but you might get the adjustment. <laughs> oh, so interesting. Post that day, really important. Okay, that's good. Well, I'm glad we had that little tangent because that, that, that does clarify <laughs> it for me a little bit. Okay, I'm excited. Thanks. The real reason we're right, here. There we go. Par three courses are now going to be part of the world handicapping system. I know there's some caveats in there in terms of yardage, but if you do the math, it seems as though if the average length hole, I think is like 96 yards or 95 yards for nine holes, that means that that course is eligible to be rated. So first things first, when, when, when me and Nick heard about this, first of all, we were ecstatic. And second of all, expected this to be a slow rollout. But when, when we've been exchanging emails to try to set this up, you said you're running around right now with your park and of courses around the area trying to get them rated. So what does this look like for you, Gretchen? So it started, well, let me give it a little bit of history. Please. Uh, previous to this year, uh, for nine holes, you had to have a minimum of 1,500 yards and at least one hole had to be at least 250 yards. So it had to give space for that scratch golfer to hit a driver on at least one hole. Um, USGA did, or RNA, World Handicap System. I never know which letters to sign on that one. <laughs> so many acronyms. Um, anyway, it's, it's a lot. Um, so they all got together and started going, okay, so what can we do to reduce that minimum? 
And we actually have two courses in Oregon who helped participate in a pilot program to look at scores and how if they it threw these scores in, the people had to have a gin number and they had to be playing this a course, either a course or a forward T that wasn't previously rated to see how it would fit into the format. Um, with everything that went on and all the, the research that they did, they opted for 750. They cut that number in half. So I have to have at least 750 yards per nine. That's the big one. Um, and then there's no minimum on club length. So your average short course, we were just at Fiddler's Green yesterday. Longest hole was 200 and change. No scratch golfer should be hitting a driver on that hole. So they've reduced that as well. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting. Um to see how these numbers look it's it's um my first one actually finished is is going in the mail today is caldera links that's out at sun river it's their short course that's out there that's open to the public as well um we've got courses all over that are jumping in on this i think sahali is in um clackamas is the most excited (laughs) about the whole program they already have a club they've had for years and now that club can post at their own course so it's a lot of excitement going on around it. That's a thrill. That's the course that uh, I grew up on. I grew up in Clackamas, so I'm thrilled to hear. I, I would be surprised if they reacted any differently other than being excited about it because they have yeah. a lot of tournaments over there, a men's club, a ladies' club. So, yeah, very excited to hear all of that. So you you mentioned the first one is in the mail. So practically speaking, there there's a there's a bunch of par three courses in, in, in Oregon in this area. So how do you – one, prioritize, and two, when you go out to a course, you do your calculations, you send it in, how long does that all take for it to be in the system, be on the, I guess, on on the gin app where I could practically go down to that course in Sun River and say, okay, I want to play around and post a score? We currently have information for uh, one, two, three, four, five, six courses. Of those six courses, all of them will be in the system for March 1 for the posting to begin. So there are courses all over the state, different things um, going on. Um, There's also 12 other courses now around Oregon that we're still trying to figure out, um, first of all, if they have interest. Mm. Do they even want to be rated? There are a couple of smaller courses that, you know, we're just not sure. We're reaching out to them and getting their information. Um, it's it's just a lot of little details right now that we're trying to work out. Um, but, yeah, it's that the whole idea is once once we got permission to get this stuff, information into course rating program, there it is. And then I, it's the same process as every other course rating. We have to make sure that the yardage is correct. So yesterday while I was at Fiddler's Green, I was measuring and I had several of my volunteers going out collecting the course rating information. So we got everything covered at once. Um, now it takes me a couple of days to get all that information, double check everything, make sure it's correct. That system will go in the system and I just click a publish date. Hopefully I'm, I'm hoping to get everything in and published so people can look at it before the day March 1 pops up. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting. And that lets in a lot of people, um, it gives them the opportunity that when they've only played a par three course and the, the gentleman I bumped into yesterday who were playing Fiddler's Green, who play there every day, 
they've never had a handicap before. So they're like, Hey, I can now have a handicap. So it's, it's nice. It opens up the field to a lot more players. It's, it's pretty exciting. It, it, it is. And I, I, I think when people hear handicaps for, for those that have never had it before, they assume that it's this big drawn out process and it's very challenging. And it's like, well, I, I don't play often enough or I'm not good enough, or there's all these reasons why they don't do it. And I just always encourage anyone that I golf with, with any regularity to keep a number because it is so easy now, especially with the gin app. I was playing with a buddy literally yesterday who was a former double a baseball player. He's broken a hundred, probably like five times since we played. And we've played in a few scrambles in tournaments. And when we play, he doesn't have a number to give them. So he has to play as a scratch. And it's, it's such a disadvantage that he puts himself at. We played at the one club tournament that Rose city has uh, every black Friday and he shot 98 as like a 25 oh handicap. And, and I said, Shane, you might have won this tournament if you had a handicap. And so now I'm I'm really excited because it's going to give people like him more opportunity. And like the gentleman that you talked to at Fiddler's Green, these people are going to have numbers that they not only can have measurables to improve their game by, but the the, the tournaments as well. Right. And it's, it's even if you don't even play in a, in, a, in a tournament, I can't even talk today. If you never even play in a tournament yeah. and you're geeky at all about getting started, the gin app has stats. So you can track I'm hitting the greens, I'm hitting the fairways, I'm missing left, I'm missing right. How, how many putts am I taking? So if you want to look at your game and your history to see where you might need work to make to enjoy the game a little bit further, then you can look back and look at your own stats. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. And I I find myself when I get to the off season now that some data is starting to accrue in the app that I've used it for the last few years, I can say, oh, I I thought I putted better this year, but the numbers say that I don't. So it's it, it takes the emotion out of it. You you can really see like, all right, well. We, we do have to practice putting more, Joe. It, it, it may felt like we made more putts, but we actually didn't. So it is very helpful there. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned earlier, getting back to the par three aspect of it, that you do have some courses that you're keeping an eye on. In terms of um, prioritizing certain courses, is, is, is it just who can have you on a certain day? Is, is, there, is there anything more to it than that? That's a little bit. First, first of all, um, you know, our, our service that we give to our membership um, so for me to show up and measure a course and rate the course, there would be a fee assigned to that. And, and granted, we're not going to charge the same for a, a little par three that's less than as as a course with 6,000 yards, 7,000 yards and a whole bunch of tees. Sure. Um, but we're starting with um, courses that have member clubs. Again, Sahali has a club. They've had a club for years. Columbia Edgewater has a, a, a par three course. They've got a club. So not, uh, the courses that we don't have to worry about that is the start. Um, Bandon Dunes, that's that's kind of a fun one. The preserve down at Bandon Dunes, yeah. they have 13 holes. That's where we have a glitch in the system um, because we have to rate by nine, nine or 18. So we're still trying to figure out how to sort that one out. Um, but everything we've got so far, all the courses, Fiddler's Green, we know they're going to have a club. They're going to get the club in. So we, we know that's a good good thing. There, there may be some back, back scratching going on there. <laughs> it's We know that they're going to be a benefit to us. But there's... There are several other courses that have a possible future. We've got the Woodburn Golf Club. I don't know if you've ever played it. It's over on the other side of the tracks. It's over by, there's a, um, a racetrack over there. Um, mm. 
and they have sand greens. Wow. Um, so I actually had to research. They don't have a club currently. We're working on getting in, in touch with them. They've always been too short, but now that they are long enough per the, the new standards, now I also have to figure out how to rate sand greens. And that's where the World Handicap System comes in. I'm like, I'm going off on a tangent. This, now. Is, this is great. This is great. Um, <laughs> um, sand greens is something that doesn't happen in the U.S., but the USGA had to figure out how to rate sand greens because Australia has a lot of sand greens. Um, and there's a process around that where you like rake them short and flat. And wow. um, anyway, so we still have, again, we have to wait and figure out, do they want to be rated? Do they want to have a handicaps assigned to it? But that opens up so many more doors. There's several um, RV parks um, where they have small family par three courses, little nines around that. Um, and we're still, again, trying to get in touch with some of them. There's one in um, Astoria that had closed down for renovations. Not sure if they're going to be interested or not. There's a little family one outside of um, Klamath Falls, if they're interested. So we're not going to f- stuff it down their throats either. Sure. We're not going to say you must get rated. <laughs> but if they are interested and they do have the, the want or the need to have us come down there, we're going to figure it out. And we're hoping to, again, get them as members of OGA because that would allow them to use gin as their, our, you know, the handicap provider and, and use the system and get everything up, up and, and going. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's pretty exciting. It's still a lot going on. I know we have Eagle Landing. I know they've been mm. interested for years. I'm not sure if they're long enough. I don't know if they meet the 750 per nine, but we we might be able to work with them where I know they have 27 holes. Right. But maybe there's a way for handicapping purposes to put one and two together where you tee off on one and get to the two green. But I'm not sure right now. I still have to discuss a lot of this information with people. But yeah, yeah. it's it's we're going. We're hitting the ground running. Um, there will be six courses in and rated by the next week and, and available for posting. And we're going to work on the uh, about 10 or 12 more that are in the state and Southwest Washington, of course. That's, that's really exciting. And, and that was actually part of my next question. So pitch and putts, you do have the 750 yard requirement. So Eagle landing is one that I thought of. I, I don't know if McMinniman's edge field would even be in the realm just because, you know, it's, it's kind of on the edge of, and, as, and there, I think there's like 20 holes or 12 holes. So it's kind of the same problem as the preserve down south. But it's it sounds like it's a case-by-case basis kind of in that pitch and putt length. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's the one, the one caveat we have to fit. We've got to get 750 yards somehow. And if it's more than 18, no, that's easy. You just don't post the last two holes. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that's not that. And that's what I think we might have to do. I know um, – Bannon Dunes, again, is coming up with shorties. If they're long enough, they're already planning for 19 holes. 19th hole is going to be a bonus hole. So we only have to worry about the first 18. Um, but, yeah, it's trying to figure out how do you get 9 or 18 out of 13 is a fun one. This, uh, but, yes, we got to get that 750 minimum per nine. This is this is so great, not only in, in practicality for all the reasons we discussed, but I think it also – we always hear so much about golf being more inclusive and more welcoming to everybody. And I think this is a real tangible thing you can point to and say, see, look, 
all courses have the opportunity to be a part of the, you know, quote unquote legal system for how we measure golfers' ability against each other. And I think courses like Saha Lee and Fiddler's Green, places that people play every day and are very, very popular and are home courses for, frankly, a lot of people can now have that stamp of approval from the Oregon Golf Association. It's such a it, it, it really is like a momentous thing. It's it's pretty big. And yes, it's made my work a little bit extra <laughs> this last couple of <laughs> sure. months. But, you know, it's it's t- typically we're not on the course from October to May, but gosh darn it, here we are. Um, and and the, that's the fun part is thinking it's July 4th and I'm on this golf course. It's we have to think of the trees are full of fl- of, of leaves and, and the grass is green and, and not muddy. And here we go. Um, so it's, it's a lot of information that we have to go through, but yes, it it is pretty exciting. It lets all those people who wouldn't normally have an avenue to have handicaps. It also opens up for a lot of league play. So you've got a lot of guys who come and do that, that after work nine whole leagues, once they get handicaps going, um, so now there's another thing to throw in for that nine hole. I probably should have said that earlier. You no. still have to get your 54 holes in to set your handicap index. Sure. So whether it's nine, nine, 18, any formatting, uh, after you get those 54 holes in and you get your official handicap index, that's where it will start filling in for the 18 hole di- differential, even for the nine hole court round. So it's not going to do that in the beginning. You have to get your official handicap index and then it starts making the adjustments. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So you need the three rounds, basically three full rounds of a baseline to sort of have yeah. everything, I guess, work off of. Right. Yeah. Uh, and until then, so if you it, new golfers, all the ones that are might be hopefully joining us since then, they they might see that nine sitting there waiting for another nine to join it in the beginning. After that, they'll start seeing the difference come through. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I'm curious, Gretchen, and and you you may not know, but clearly you're off and running. You 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 and your team has been working this winter. Has this been the same response from other states, other countries? Do you know how quickly folks are getting out and doing par three courses? Like, is Oregon at the top of the heap, or are a lot of folks <laughs> having the same approach? Well, you've got think about all the courses in southern U.S who post year round, they're getting them added in as they can. Yeah. Uh, We couldn't even trigger the system. So they couldn't publish them till after new year's. So looking at the information, even the system didn't have the right math involved. So a lot of those courses, they also have more courses and hopefully they have more help because they had to flip all those switches at the same time. Um, that was a lot of work getting it all done. I, you know, I can't compare myself to, to everybody else. I'm not sure where everybody is. Um, but you know, we, we've got a good start. We're going to get as many as we can and everybody else who's interested, hopefully we can fit them into the regular rotation. Hopefully we'll have everybody who wants to be rated in the system by the end of this year. Oh, that's Um, great. And then, you know, maybe that's when maybe McMenamins will want to get in next year. Maybe not. Um, and like I say, we're, we're hoping to get the membership in. So we want them to have a club. Will they have a club? I don't know. Um, we still have to work out a fee structure if they don't have a club. Um, but right now, that's why we started. We started with the easy ones, the ones we know that want it, the ones that have been asking for it, the clubs that helped when we were asking for help. 
those ones are right up top. So sure. Holly should be in by Friday. So you can start looking that one up. Great. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. And then looking, you know, it's, um, it's just going to open everything up. For yeah, everybody. <laughs> this is th- th- this is unbelievable. My friends are going to be so excited who who I have to, you know, kind of poke and prod to get the handicap. I'll say, hey, buddy, go to the Sahali. You can just play there and you're going to have a handicap and, and, th- and everything's going to mm-hmm. take care of itself. Um, this is this is kind of one that may be difficult to answer, but maybe you have enough data to to to, to theorize a little bit. You know, Nick and I were wondering when we first heard about this, how difficult it would be to. I guess I'll, I'll just use a single-digit handicap as an example. How difficult it would be to maintain a single-digit handicap just playing a par three course. And what I mean by that, Gretchen, is say if I was to play Glendivere, for example, and if I was to shoot in the 70s, you know, from the the back tees, I would maintain a single-digit handicap. But I have to assume if I was playing at Saha Lee, a par three course that does have some longish holes. There's a 185-yard hole there, 170-yard hole. But most of the holes are 150 and shorter. I assume I have to be shooting a pretty good, darn good number at that course to maintain a single digit handicap. Is that, is that a fair assumption? It's a, it's pretty fair. Uh, and you want to think about par is set by what the scratch golfer should hit. Right. So we can start with that one. So the par is par three is because a scratch golfer can hit the green in one and we allow for two putts. So you think that long hole, you might miss the green, but you chip up and you might one putt. So, I mean, you're, you're getting closer to par a lot on those courses when you're a better golfer. And it might be that you, you're one putting a few times and then you might miss the, the green a few times. But over the average, your single digits going to be getting closer to par, whether that's a par 57 or a par 72. <laughs> Yeah, no. Or 54, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trust me. These are these are new numbers we've never had to worry about before. <laughs> um, okay, yep. yeah. That definitely helps. So the bottom line is, if you want to be a scratch golfer, shoot a good score, no matter what the par on the course is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the closer you get to the course rating and, and par, the better you're going to be. The further you are, the more handicap you're going to have. It's That's the kind of the basis of the whole program as it is. Um, you know, the further back you go, the more difficult it's going to be, the further forward, typically it's going to be a little bit less difficult. So, um, now when you've got one set of tees on a lot of these par three courses, you, it's all one playing field. Now you're all playing from the same tee and it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out. Yeah. I'm really curious. Are, are you all going to be watching the data really closely as as it pours in for the par three courses because it, i mean it's not it's it, it sounds like gretchen you're going to try to do all this in one year so you're basically going to have a sample set of data for 24 like do you think you'll need a couple years of data to say hey we nailed this or hey this is a little bit off and maybe we make some adjustments like what does that look like it's uh, so uh, me and oga we ourselves will not be looking at that oh, really closely. Okay. USGA, they're going to be doing all the research. Um, I wish we had the time and finances to do all that. Sure. We're, we're going to keep an eye on things. And anytime I have a course rating that the members feel is off, I might look at the scores and the history and look at what's going on to see, see if something needs to be tweaked. Um, but that's something that's all that research gets done back at Golf House in New Jersey. They've got the computers and the smart people behind it to know all that information. But we'll, we'll still keep an eye on things. It might be interesting to pull the data for the people who are all members at Sahali now um, and see what their handicap indexes do once they start posting the par three scores. Um, 
but but um, I don't have that background, <laughs> the math ability that sure. goes into that stuff. It's a little bit beyond me. But yeah, USGA is going to be following all that very closely. Now, I'm not asking you to name names, but I am curious because you mentioned it. Are you are you getting letters about from from members and their and their and their ratings saying, "Hey, Gretchen, look, we're all we're all doing our best out of here, but this this course is harder than than you all think it is." Uh, we, we get a lot of people will, will comment saying that my course is more difficult than that course. Why is that rating more? And it's, you can't just look at the rating. So there's the first bit it's, you want to look at course rating, the slope rating, you want to look at yardage and you want to look at par, and then you have to think about the individual players. Mm. None of these things can be done by themselves. Um, I was just talking yesterday about, um, we had some time after when we were finished at Fiddler's and we were just sitting around talking. And one of my newer volunteers asked me what happens exactly. So this question comes up and I remember a course that's, I, I won't mention the course, course because, you know, some people might get offended. However, yes. um, I had, we had just released the rating for it and uh, three of the members were very curious and I had them come up to the office and sit with me and we sat down and we looked at the information is the hole this length? Yes. Is this the landing zone for the scratch player? Yes. Is the fairway width this wide? Yes. Are there trees at this difficulty? And we just kept going on with all of this information. And it's like everything that we had was correct. Of those three people, one is now a course rating volunteer and two are handicap chairs because they were interested and wow. curious and they realized, hey, the system works. <laughs> When you looked down to it, it's there's we're not just going out there going, hey, this course is really nice. <laughs> we, we're looking at a lot of data and pulling yeah. numbers off of charts and all that goes in and all the math that goes in the background. It's it's um, it's not just out there for us to guess. We're not throwing darts at a dartboard. It's very specific what we're looking at. So every time we get a question, I will sit down and pull out our paperwork and say, well, here's the details. Do you think this is correct? Then your rating is fine. Well, I must admit, you have armed me with information since our first conversation in this one, because whenever I'm at a course with buddies and we're looking at the card and saying, how is this the number one handicap or how is this the easiest? I'll say, fellas, no, wait, wait. There's a lot that goes into this. It's not you. It's the scratch golfer and the ability and the landing zone. And there's all these factors. It's not like because you birdie this hole more frequently than you do this other hole, that this is the easiest hole on this course for everybody. It's just a big calculation where a lot of things are taken into account. Absolutely. And yeah, stroke allocation is always fun. Uh, we never had our hands in that pot for, hmm. for a long time. Um, so it's just with the advent of the World Handicap System where that became part of course rating. So, I mean, we never even had, um, unless we had scorecards and that scorecard might've been old, um, we didn't even have the data. So having to input that for oh, wow. 200 plus golf courses, what is a lot of fun. Wow. Um, and there's two ways you can go about that. Mm. So hopefully we still suggest that the course can collect hole by hole scores. Another good reason to post hole by hole. If the course has the hole by hole information, they're looking again at a pool of lower handicap players and a pool of higher handicap players and, and seeing how, which hole is the most, di most uh, differential in between the playing ability of the higher and the lower handicap. Sure. It's the one number one handicap hole shouldn't be technically the hardest hole. It's where the higher handicap golfer needs a stroke the most. 
that makes perfect kind of the basic and that's why that short typically a short par three or a short par four is the 18 or 17 or 18 depending on um so there's there's also now from the course rating system we can look at we put pinpoint that very point of the scratch golfer and the very point of the bogey golfer per the course rating system and can look at that same information I kind of like the shotgun blast better than the, the the point to point. And sometimes we have to adjust it because, you know, USGA wants that number one handicap hole in the middle triad. So hole four, four five, six. Um, sometimes your hole is, um, I'll bring up Meadow Lakes. That's my hmm. favorite example. The the higher handicap lady has to hit a, their shot on the both nine and 18, by the way, they have to hit a perfect tee shot, then have to lay up to hit over a hundred yard wide uh, river to still have to hit again to get onto the green. Whereas the scratch lady hits her perfect drive and is either on the green or just shot short and on. They proved by using scores that that level of difficulty for the higher handicapper was so high and so I think the next nearest, most difficult hole was like a, a stroke and a half behind. Wow. This is where we can say that's the number one handicap hole. It is number nine. I'm right behind you. And we're going to put that in the system. So yeah. that's that's where that point to point and the shotgun blast is totally different with scores. That's that's really fascinating. Gretchen, I could nerd out about this stuff with you all day long, but I know you're very busy trying to get all these courses input so we're ready to go for March 1st. I'm going to get you out of here with our last bit of business. It's our rapid fire segment. It's Turn 10 brought to you by Piper Golf. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout for incredible savings on incredible golf balls. Gretchen, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Question number one, Jack or Arnold? Arnie. Question number two, hole in one or lowest round ever? Lowest round ever. Question number three, what's your favorite course in Oregon? Ooh, ooh, that one's tough. Um, oh, I'm going to say Forest Hills Golf Course because that is why I am in golf today. I got a job there and here I am all these I, years later. I love that. Question number four, kind of a sub-question. Do you have a favorite par three course in Oregon? <laughs> uh, those I'm just really getting to see, so I, I don't have an answer for that one at the moment. We'll check back in next time we talk. <laughs> Gotcha. Question number five, trickiest course you've rated? That's got to be Tethro. There's just a lot oh. going on there. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to hold my tongue. There's so many, it's everyone needs to play that course once before they die because to explain it to people doesn't do it justice. It's an incredible experience. Do it, right. but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> question number six, what's your favorite club in your bag, Gretchen? Oh goodness, my putter! Um, it it fails me some days, but it, it's no matter what hole you get, almost always you're gonna have to use that. So you've gotta gotta have some love for the putter. Great segue. Number seven. What's the most important putt you've ever made? Oh goodness. Um, well, I I happen to have two OGA trophies that I have earned up on that wall, and I know the net championship um, that was played out at. Um, at Mountain View, out in Boring. Yeah. I did have to make a, a killer putt or else uh, I would not have won that tournament. So there you go. That came down to the last couple holes, and there, that was the one that I, I got it there. There we go. That's, that's awesome. That's, that, that's a great answer. Number eight, fade or draw? 
oh, see, now that's where I'm weird. I hit the ball straight. I'm I'm not either one. And when I do, I'm like, I have no idea how I did that or how I'll do it again. Uh, yeah. I love that. Neither. Uh, num- number nine, are breakfast balls ever okay? No, no. Handicapping. Nope. I'm going to say no. I, you hit a ball, you count the score. This is... I would be shocked by any other answer from the director of handicapping at the OGA. And finally, Gretchen, how early should someone arrive to the course before their tea time? Oh, minimum of a half hour. Absolute minimum. I like that. You got to get ready, warm up a little bit, make sure you're ready to go. Right. Gretchen Yoder, Director of Handicapping and Course Rating with the Oregon Golf Association. Thank you so much for your time. This was very educational as always. And thank you, Joe. It was always a pleasure to be out here and helping get out the word. (laughs) I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.